This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, my name's Albert and I'm from the Back of the Nest Preview Podcast. People used to laugh at me for having particularly hairy testicles. And to be honest, it didn't feel good. My comfort levels were low and my confidence was even lower. To take matter into my own hands... I tried to self-groom at home using whatever I could find lying around the house. The wife's lady shave when she wasn't looking. An old bread knife at the back of the cutlery drawer. A potato peeler in the camping tin. Needless to say, the results weren't pretty. The combination of matted hair and blood resembled something like a tragic clash of heads on the training pitch between Mila Yedinak or Joe Ledley. It was grim. Luckily, that's all changed, thanks to Manscaped.com. With the lawnmower 3.0, all my worries are taken care of. Two minutes with the lawnmower 3.0, it's more like Attilio Lombardo and Andy Johnson. Bearing down on goal. Smooth as you like. An impeccable finish. And you can have that too. Just go to Manscaped.com, select the lawnmower 3.0, and apply the code BOTN at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. That's manscaped.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is... You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome ladies and gentlemen to the back of the desk world preview and the match report yet again as Hambo and Heskiff join me once more to look back against the victory against Newcastle at St. James's Park and then looking ahead to our upcoming victory against Leeds United. The match report sponsored by Pitch Sport available to download on the App Store and Google Play pitchdmm.com Upcoming victory. I'm getting way too optimistic now. Um, yes, Hambo, you're with us again. <laughs> I am indeed. I am indeed. Somehow I'm still doing more podcasts, more watch-alongs. I've got palace fatigue, but hey, this is what I signed up for. <laughs> and and Heskiff, uh, we're sans Albert yet again. I think we should just start making a point when he actually shows up. <laughs> Every week we're like, Albert's not here again. So yeah, I think it's more likely to be a fanfare when he when he bothers than when he doesn't. Yeah, he's full of excuses and he's just working his way down the list of why he can't make it. Yeah, terrible. Was it? He's, he's, he's speaking to the producer of the upcoming Stiltman movie. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just not true. It's just mere speculation. But um, yeah, so uh, yeah, we'll get, we'll get into looking to the victory against Newcastle um, and then the, the, ahead to the game against Leeds, which is Monday night, quite far away from here at this point at time of recording. Um, but a few things I want to touch on uh, before we get started um, with the Newcastle victory. Um, and it, well, it's related to Newcastle. Did you guys see uh, Jean-Philippe Mateta's video for the, the build-up <laughs> to the game? So that is, it's this whole clip where, you know, it's... Um, it kind of zooms in on a few things. It's like his game day, clicks on the dressing room and it shows his shirt. Um, and then it clicks on the stadium. <laughs> and Hambo, it was a it was a screenshot of St. James's Park, Exeter. 
Yeah, well, I mean, we can all we can you know he's obviously got the dream. We've all want we all want to play in St James's Park in Exeter, don't we? So you know he's been dreaming about that since he was a young boy in France. Uh, yeah. But he'll have to wait. He'll have to wait for that opportunity when we've not been knocked out of a cup competition at the first time of asking, won't he? So, but look, easy mistake to make, eh? <laughs> well, I, I imagine Heskiff that it wasn't um, JP who was sitting there making this on his phone, like doing his own video editing. It was someone else. But it's a little bit worrying that someone's getting paid money and they think, oh yeah, that, that's the sort of stadium that would be in the Premier League. Do you know who I reckon it was? I reckon he used to be employed by Christian Benteke. Uh, and his previous was saying uh, Benteke was in Burnley Burnley Lee Burnley Burnley I don't even know how to say Burnley we're now on the end Um, I I reckon I reckon he got binned off by Benteke and Mateta's picked him up and he's (laughs) can I can I just say I think the 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 more confusing part is the fact that he's put a message out expecting like he might get some game time (laughs) (laughs) just put a picture of a bench JP that's all you need yeah, well, I did say he's um, joking around on Twitter that he's he's been signed for the under twenty threes. We'll we'll start to phase him in when his loan deal is over and um, it, it becomes permanent. So, um, uh, <laughs> and another thing that uh, tickled my fancy this week: Heskiff James Ward Prowse is on the end of another oh, nine nil thrashing. We love it. <laughs> um, yeah, apparently he's the only player who's played every. Uh, one of the minutes for both nine nils in Southampton's defeats. Mm. Uh, and I saw a picture of him with his hands on his head after I presume the ninth goal went in. And it's the best <laughs> thing I've seen in a long time. <laughs> um, on a sort of footballing note, Hambo, twice now they've gone down to 10 men early and then get thrashed nine nil. Is is that just living by the sword, dying by the sword in the style of football that Harsen who wants to play? Or is that, it's just completely naive for it to happen twice, isn't it? I, I think so. It's a hard one to explain. That, you know, you look at that that whole game um, and that, you've got to say that they were quite unlucky in some, in some ways. It was a stupid challenge, but, you know, everything just seemed to conspire against them. And you do get games like that. I mean, you know, it happened for us when we had 11 men on the pitch against Liverpool. Um, so, you know, but but I think had that had that been you know any I'm not going to say any other man. I was about to say had that been Roy would have shot up shot, but I've just I've argued against myself there. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, then all of a sudden it drifted into my mind that we lost three 0 against ten men uh, <laughs> after, they, after Villa. So I completely argued against myself. But it do, it does seem naive. It does seem you know it it's such a weird thing to concede nine goals, but to do it twice. Um, it's inexplicable, really, and and the guy's a good manager. You know, he's done a tremendous job with Southampton. So for them to get that level of a spanking twice is is pretty impressive. But they used it last time as a bit of a springboard, didn't they? So um, I mean, I hope they don't again because any misery in James, James Ward Prowse's direction is good in my book. Right before we go any further, my mouth is dry. I've got to do this. Damn, I'm thirsty. I want a beer. What about you? You want a beer? I'm going to leave you three to it, man. Um, 9% is usually not a good idea for a, a Wednesday night recording. <laughs> Jesus, what is... That isn't beer. That's it's, a spirit. It's a stout, um, or it's a porter, actually. It's um, Imperial Irish Cream Marshmallow Porter from Tiny Rebel. Um, oh, and on the can, it's a stormtrooper holding a bottle of Baileys, basically. So let me, get, let me give it a go. Well... <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's pretty good actually it's just really super sweet um hamba you, you you're having half a can of beer apparently well, that that was my claim uh for, for a half can <laughs> but you know me i'm a i'm one of those boring people off carbs at the minute so i actually have a fridge full of really nice beer that i can't drink and you mentioned tiny rebel there i love tiny rebel everything that they've ever done i've really enjoyed and the idea of a marshmallow stout is just heaven right now. But it's going to be a long, long time until I can drink that. They do, um, I can't remember, it's like a raspberry sour. I've forgotten the name of it. It's like frambuzi or something like that. Mm. It's just incredible. And it's, it's so sour, it puts your teeth on edge. And I really like that. Yeah, I had a fizzy cola one from them a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, I, t- I tend to really like some of it. There's only one beer I've never, I've not liked of theirs so far, which I've had. And that was the Shakedown, which tasted like... Um, 
no shampoo or something. I don't know what was wrong with that one. <laughs> and Hesketh, I, I never know. Is it water? Is it um, red wine? Or is it uh, Dos Equis? It's it's a I'm I'm on mute kind of beer. Uh, I'm back. That's the second <laughs> time I've muted today. I had I spent about two minutes talking in a team meeting at work and had been muted. And to be honest, <laughs> it was probably for the best. Um, as I, what I was going to say was I was going to mix it up and have uh, my wife bought some Topo Chico hard seltzer, which is this drink that she likes from Texas, where she's from, uh, and it's like you know, sour cherry seltzer. Mm. Um, but actually, I am i didn't do that because I'm boring, so I'm drinking water. <laughs> <laughs> we're, 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 we'll try and bring in the big bucks on that water sponsorship for you at some point, mate. We'll get... Um... Yeah, Thames Water, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, indeed. Right. Um, I think we'll start with... Uh, We'll lead into Newcastle by saying that Jaira Riedeveld signed the new contract that's been announced today, which keeps him at the club to 2024. Um, Hambo, you want to take this? Obviously, delighted that this has happened, all of us, I think, particularly after performance last night. And um, yeah, to sort of in context, take it in, take us away with the Newcastle match report. Yeah, certainly will. Look, it's great news. Again, another one of those things that was kind of whirling around in rumours that it happened quite some time ago. But um, but the fact that it's confirmed that he's signed on the dotted line is till 2024, which is is absolutely right. You know, he's, he's only 24 years old, I think. And, um, yeah. you know, obviously he's been been with us quite a while. And, he's you know, he's not, not started enough games, let's face it. But the fact that he's, um, you know, he's had such an influence on the side of late is extremely encouraging. And, um, you know, the fact that the club are showing that faith in him and, and again, thinking about, the next few seasons and what he might be able to do as he continues to improve and, and grow. It's just, you know, it's, it's a great, great feeling that we've, we've managed to secure him because, you know, those performances won't go unnoticed. His technical ability certainly won't go unnoticed. Um, he, he's an absolute Roy's, Roy's? Rolls Royce. I was thinking about Roy again. Uh, <laughs> Rolls Royce <laughs> player. Um, and yeah, we need, we need more like him to be quite honest with you. Um, Cause that, that's what will, change that style that's what will bring us up to that next level i think i'll tell you what i get the impression that um ray's ray roy ray's royce roy 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 that's the one i'm looking for i get the impression roy sees him more like a larder for some reason <laughs> yeah morris, morris minor i'm sure we'll talk talk about it a few i'm sure there's you know on, on all of our minds when people when he was asked roy was asked about gyro wasn't he and uh, the first thing he said was yeah 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 he's great yeah yeah we really need james mccarthy and james mccarthy back though <laughs> you're like jesus christ man yeah it's it, it's his shit version of mason mount <laughs> <laughs> but anyway let's i suppose we best get cracking really so um gyro was the of the changes in the lineup gyro and cahill were the two so gyro coming in from mccarthy um you know you again you want to you want to say great move um you know gyro suit suited the game but <laughs> would he would he have started Terence? Do you think if uh, if McCarthy was fit? Um, well, no, I think it's very clear that he won't have because he 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 talked um, after the match about you know really desperately wanting one of the James at least one of the Jameses back. So no, he wouldn't have started. Um, but that's I guess on the flip side, uh, trying to be. Um, not miserable about it all. That's what you have a squad for, right? You have a squad for when players are out injured and um, you rely on them that they've, you've got them to do the work and training to be ready and available to go when they are. I mean, uh, we've raved about redevelop enough last week, another game here with 90 plus percent passing accuracy just keeps the ball really well. I mean, don't know how he didn't get an assist to his name, which we'll get on later in the game. Just a brilliant all-round performance. But no, yeah, I, I don't want to slag off James McArthur because James McArthur's done a fantastic job for us down the years. And, you know, nine times out of ten, you put James McArthur on the field, he's going to do a really good job for you. And But Riedervall's got something else about him, hasn't he? Yeah, there was a stat on Twitter, Hesketh, which was that um, it, was, it said, list of players who've misplaced no more than six passes in the Premier League this season. And the list was Jairo Riedeveld. Thoughts? Yeah, not surprised. I mean, surprised against so far as he plays for Palace, but not surprising for anyone who's seen him play for Palace, probably. Um, 
I, I yeah, I completely agree with with Terence. I think he's a player that gives a lot gives a lot to the team, both defensively and going forward. And his his ability to pass is a big part of that. But I think his ability to get up and down the pitch as well is is a really big deal. And and um, you know, seeing him score his goal yesterday. Is it wasn't a surprise that it was Gyro running onto that because he 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 does link the play really well and he does get up and down a great deal and I think he he's got a good engine on him and I don't think we really sort of think about that too much because he's such a, a classy player or maybe you know his his running style doesn't a bit like Eze it doesn't look like he's powering past people when he is um, but I think he yeah I think he gives a, a huge amount to the team and. Whilst it's a shame that he probably only got in because of the injuries, it's great to see him doing everything he can whilst he's in the team. You know, he's he's been brilliant this season when he's when he's played. Yeah, definitely. And I, it was interesting with the announcement of the contract. There was a lot of talk about the fact that not only is he a really popular and positive person at the club, but there was um, a definite angle that was put forward of the fact that isn't it great how the the coaching staff have worked with him to to bring him up to the kind of physical demands of the Premier League. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder if there's an there's an angle there that's being pushed. But hey, uh, but that, you know, let, let's say that that probably is the case and, and did have to happen anyway because, you know, he did turn up from, from Ajax as a very cultured player and the Premier League is, is a very much faster, more physically demanding league um, than, than, you know, the Dutch first division. So, you know, he has got his head down and worked incredibly hard when not getting many opportunities had opportunities to leave the club plenty of times, but he's, he's refused to do so. And I always feared that's because he was thinking, let me just get this contract done here and get, and then then I can take my pick of a team that will appreciate me. But the fact he's signed on the, on the dotted line for a new contract um, suggests that it really was him getting down, believing that he would would play in this team and would get chances. So all credit to him. The other the other change, Eskif, was uh, K-Win for Kiate. And I ask you first, because I know we were talking before we started recording about your fears when the lineup was announced of having Cahill and Dan together, which probably matched the fears of a lot of people. But um, I suppose, yeah, part part of me is, you know, what, what were you thinking at the time it was announced? And you know, and and again, does this really highlight perhaps the the sudden concern we've all got in the uh, in the centre back places? Yeah, when I saw the team, I wasn't filled with hope, mostly because. The, the thought of sort of Callum Wilson darting in between him and Dan didn't really fill me with confidence. Um, and uh, about a, a minute and a half, two minutes in, uh, my confidence was still not growing when we went one nil down. But I think they both played really well. I think my, my concern with Cahill and Dan is is the sort of pace, which Newcastle really didn't do a huge amount of, of work with, which is great. Um, and I've talked, I've talked on the pod before about how I'm, I'm not too confident with Cahill marking at set pieces, which is a weird thing to say considering his pedigree. But um, I stand by it. Uh, but like I said beforehand, you know, if he's going to attack our set pieces the way that he did yesterday, then you know I have a, a lot less of a problem. Um, I guess I was a bit surprised. So I, I think uh, Roy said that he wanted to give Czech a rest, which is which is fine. I, I do wonder what's happened to Martin Kelly because he's just permanently on the bench and I must say I mean this is with you know with hindsight Dan, Dan and Cahill were good but before the game I was just thinking what, why is Kelly not getting a game you know he's a good centre-half yeah he hasn't played as much but I, I'd feel more confident with quicker players with Kelly um, but to be fair Dan Dan and Cahill both both played pretty well yesterday so um, you know with hindsight it was an all right change. I thought Cahill um, in his post-match actually gave a lot of insight because <laughs> half about two minutes before he scored, I tweeted that um, his form's fallen off a cliff and depicted this by showing a building fall, actually falling off of a cliff. Um, and then, of course, he repaid me very quickly by scoring. But he talks after the game about not having a pre-season because of his injury, having a lot of niggly injuries along the way. And fingers crossed that is why it's taken him um, some time to get back up to speed and get some form under his belt. And if it is just game time and then, you know, he turns into the Gary Cahill we had last season before he got injured, um, then I'm a lot more comfortable than I was, say, 36 hours ago about our, our, our back, well, our centre backs, you know, where, is, where it's been a position where we've been so comfortable for so long. But now, you know, we're playing. 
I don't want to call Kiata a makeshift centre back because he's not. He has played there a lot in his career, a lot more than commentators would like to make out. You know, he captained um, his country to a final defeat in the African Cup of Nations at centre back, for example. But um, yeah, we, we've been comfortable there for so long, and then it's all been looking a bit ropey. But yeah, if K if Cahill can get some game time and then return to the player he was, and that injury hasn't affected him as much as we all thought, then that's only a positive thing. Yeah, it was interesting. I, I, we talked about it in the watch long that he seemed to be because obviously, yeah, as, as he said, he had a, an injury, um, didn't get a pre season. But when he first came back in that side, he, he looked fine. It was only after the injury where where Dunk um, did all that damage to his to his shin that when he came back, it looked, you know, as you said, you know, the, the falling off a cliff thing was was absolutely apt. Um, but yeah, fingers crossed that's him turning things around for sure. Let's talk about the opening goal because it was a. You know, it was a really poor start for Palace in the game. Um, you know, the, the kind of energy was gone. We'd, we started the four four two when we seemed to pick a team that would have suited the same same as we did Wolves in the first half with a four two three one, and, that, and that's what I expected to see. But straight away, it was a it was a four four two, and we just never got going. Newcastle came out of the blocks relatively quickly, but but you know, not that quickly. And when you look at the first goal. It does start with with Dan being done by Amaron down down on the left flank, just ball hooked over his his head, and we all know Dan can't really turn particularly quickly to be generous to him. <laughs> but um, so that that was a, that was a good move. But the ball goes into the box, and obviously it's only Wilson in the box. You've got <clears throat> excuse me Fraser sort of lurking just to the side, I think it is. But it's only Wilson in the box, and as soon as that ball goes in, um, you know PVA sprints into the box to get behind Wilson. You've got Cahill standing in front of him, but but off him, if you like. Dan and Klein and Luca, the three of them, are all moving towards Wilson. And then Gyro comes sprinting in, and he's sort of going between Wilson and, and Fraser. And I'm assuming that he's trying to pick out that, you know, in case Wilson heads it down to Fraser, because he's not seen Shelby behind him. So you basically, you've got six Palace players in the box and one Newcastle player in the box. And straight away, Shelby's just been able to walk off of Ayu wander out to the edge of the area and just call for it. And um, great strike, you have to say, from, from Voldemort. But, you know, it, it's it's you know it, it, it's something that we should have done better on. Now, Terence, I know Gyro said after the match that, you know, he was really angry for not closing it down. But, you know, Gyro got a, a lot of blame there. But surely it's wider than that, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's you, you, Dan's completely slow to react. Klein makes a complete hash of going towards the man he follows the man out when he perhaps shouldn't have because he was never getting there then Dan misses it it's and it's just a I think it's something that doesn't happen five minutes later I think once people are up to speed in the game and have sort of got everything going it was just where it was right at the start of the game I think they just caught us cold a bit and um there wasn't any you know we've been switching our center backs a lot recently so these you know Dan and Cahill once again forming a new partnership at the back there it's just that sort of confusion comes and I don't I don't think Jairo should certainly be taking loads of stick for it maybe he could have gone in a bit more full-blooded on Shelby and to try and get the block in but then you know you miss the ball your studs are up and you go through shin you get sent off in the second minute is a lot lot worse than conceding the first goal as it would turn out yeah for sure Okay, Heskiff, what do you, what, so what do you think then? If, you, if you've got a position where, is it like Terence says, where it's the players, they're just starting the game, so everyone's not quite settled yet, um, you know, new partnership. When you've got your two central midfielders running into the box to make two extra centre-backs rather than picking up the, the midfield players, is that is that a, a problem with the coaching or is that a problem with the players? Because, you know, we're quick to blame the manager at times, but surely he's not asked them to do that. That's That's the players not... Yeah, no, not not doing I, the right things. I agree. I think it's maybe a bit of overcompensation, uh, a little bit too far the, the wrong way. You know, like you say, it started off with Dan sort of going for a ball and never really going to be able to get it, and then everyone's sort of pulled out of position a little bit. Everyone's a bit behind it, and then, like you say, people just sort of piled in the area to the point where we had no one who hadn't piled in the area. Um, so yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think that's a coaching thing. I think that's just one of those things where everyone's trying to cover the bloke next to him, maybe, and it ended up with Shelby being completely on his own and smashing it in. Um, and like you say, it's a shame because I think with Newcastle having just beat, you know, just won a game after so long, 
and playing so badly, the last thing you want to do is give them an early goal and get their tails up to what you would think would be them continuing on the form of the last game. Thankfully, it didn't it didn't turn out that way. But um, it, yeah, it was a really really slow start from us, a really sluggish way to begin the game. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, my my only concern about it is, is you know, we we see every every week really the kind of uncharacteristic panic at the back. I mean, thinking about set pieces, we've talked about all of us across all the pods and, and the watch alongs for so long. Why why defensively do we seem to panic so much? There's it seems to be every game, you know, six seven occasions where everyone's kind of hacking away in the box trying desperately to get the ball clear. There's no real calm heads in there, and perhaps. Perhaps the only time there was a calm head was when Kiate took a ridiculous touch and, um, and and gave the ball away for us to concede against. Help me out here, City maybe. I don't know. My head hurts. But anyway, you know, I, I worry about the mentality there. I, I really do, and, and and why we are quite so panicked. But it, it probably comes from a good place of the team being really committed to trying to, you know, shut shut the door pretty quickly on on our opposition and try not to keep conceding stupid goals. But yeah, you just probably want some more calm heads there. And it just feels weird when you've got that level of experience in a back four. That's, that's, you know, pretty much the most experienced back four we can put out, isn't it? And um, and still there's there's panic in there. But yeah, we, we rallied well, as you say. Uh, really good response. So 15, maybe 20 minutes, I think, that we, we just looked second best. Newcastle had all of the ball and we just we just really struggled to get a grip but just you know something something clicked a little bit you know I think we talked about it Jairo definitely got angry and I think a few of the players started to build confidence we started to play more one touch um started to, to move them about a bit a little bit because they're quite a static team you know that Bruce does a similar thing to to Hodgson they, they you know they went one up and they gradually kind of sat back tried to fill the spaces and try and sort of invited us on and we we took that opportunity and, and really pressed them and that the first goal, you just you just can't really praise it enough because the move before it was excellent. Some brilliant one-touch play. I think you know the, the, it ended with Luca um, exchanging passes. We well, put it out to, to PVA, PVA to Eze, Eze back to PVA, drilled it across the box. It came back out to Gyro and Terence. Gyro strike. Tell me about it. Yeah, I mean, well, the the move, as you say, was fantastic building up to it, and that's that's Royable at his best. That's what he's, that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to create those openings for cutbacks to strikers, and there was a couple of people running in, and obviously it falls onto the edge of the box. And Herskip talks about him getting up and down the pitch earlier, and he's he's run onto it, and it, it's just such a pure strike. But yeah, it's not like he's followed his foot through or anything. It's one of those ways where, where he kind of stuns it, but it just absolutely flies off of his boot perfect connection um, and as you say harboring some of that anger from not closing closing his man down for the goal and um does the, the goalie save it maybe maybe it goes through his hands i mean darlo's a pretty good goalkeeper because but there's so much pace on it he might just parry it into the net but deflection obviously helps you out and takes it in and it's certainly an unfortunate deflection because it takes away from the purity of the strike and um yeah if it if it just flies in straight off his boot it looks a whole lot better but you know you you, you take it and i've i said i said back oh, it must be several pods ago now that I felt I feel like it's it's, it's coming um, with with some of the play that we're playing down the flanks, but we've we've been picking up injuries and we've been chopping and changing a lot, so we can't get any of the sort of fluidity going. But you know, we, we have the players to play that sort of style of football with the quick one touch passing and, and um, interplay, and the one two between Eze and PVA is great. Like the weight of pass from Eze is just unbelievable. Um, yeah, I'd certainly love to be seeing more of that, Heskiff. Yeah, I was just thinking, t- talking of you know, having an opinion before something happens. Um, when PVA ran onto that ball before Jara's goal and, and did the sort of cut back to the penalty area and it got, it went to a, a Newcastle player, I was halfway through shouting at the telly, just put it in the fucking six yard, never mind. <laughs> yeah, well, do exactly that. Let, let it drop to Gyro all the time now. Yeah. So it was the... Apparently the fastest strike in the in the Premier League this season, 71 miles per hour. And Heskeffi hit it with his eyes closed. There's a couple of really good pitches as well. One of it, someone said, did he do a no-look shot? Because his head was turned when he hit it. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, that's just technique, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's... Um... That's from many years of playing in the Ajax youth system, I imagine. Um, I mean... 
just everything he does with the football, he, he must look at some of the players around him on a daily basis on that training ground and just think, how have I ended up here? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I can't, I, I'm just going to, I'm at risk of becoming a Jairo Rudevel fanboy here. I'm, I'm going to be worse than Heskiv with Clinton Morrison. So I should, probably st- <laughs> I should probably stop talking about him, to be fair. Well, I think I think we've you, you want to give an excuse to Andros that maybe had he had his eyes closed when he missed that open goal. But... <laughs> well, well, it was raining again, so I reckon his hair probably got in his eyes. To be fair, do you know what that got in my head as well on the watch along, and I and I had to stop myself from saying it because because his hair did really flatten, and I hadn't really spent too much time noticing that. I tried not to look at hair because of jealousy reasons, but. It, it, <laughs> It looked a very, he looked a very, very sad, sad state with that, with the floppy hair after the ball didn't go in. Um, we are, we are talking about that now. We will come back to the Cahill goal, but let, let's talk about that miss because I, I laugh because um, Andros in the previous game was actually he'd, he was sort of getting the the ball by the horns and, and moving around the pitch trying to get people going and all this kind of stuff. And then Roy took him off, and I was joking at that point and said, "Yeah, that's what happens if you move out of position. Roy will sub you." So then Gyro runs all the way through. Puts a fantastic ball across for, for Andros's miss, which yeah we will focus on. But the ne- very next thing that happens is Gyro gets subbed. Don't go outside of your midfield area, Gyro. You know, <laughs> Roy will sub you. It was what happens. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. Maybe <laughs> kind of half joking. It put a shift in, you know. But um, yeah, I mean the, the the miss was a was a bad one, and and it didn't cost us, but. You know, you've seen that you can. You know, you've seen players do that, but it's, it gets worse every time you see it because he's weak foot. Maybe is that is that what we got? Well, he's he's one of those players though that likes to claim to be two footed, right? So I don't I don't think Evandro Chanzen, who takes corners with both his feet, can be saying that's his weaker foot and that's why he's missing from there. That's just it's just not the case of Andros Townsend. It's just. He's just made a hash of it, hasn't he? Maybe, maybe you can blame the weather conditions because it was windy and raining. Maybe that's to do with it. But no, you have got to be putting that away. And you say it, it didn't cost us. That's um, you know there are people that it did cost, unfortunately. <laughs> so um, yeah, just, uh, Nathan CPFCD on Twitter uh, had Gary Cahill to score any time and Crystal Palace to win three one at seventy six to one. So. Um, Wow. He's, he just tweeted his bet, which was a £5 bet, saying Andros with a crying emoji. <laughs> <laughs> Not a crying laughing emoji, that's for sure. No. Uh, Heskiff, there was um, some screenshots of um, some real nasty abuse at Andros for that as well, though. I mean... Yeah, you know, there was. Yeah, and it's obviously, you know, obviously it's abhorrent stuff because... You know, it was stuff saying like, I hope you die and all this sort of stuff. And it's just like, fucking like, if you mean it, there's something wrong with you. If you're saying it because you're at, like, we're, we're, we all get angry about stuff, but saying stuff like that and adding, I don't know if they added him, but saying it on Twitter, it just, it's just pointless, isn't it? It's just stupid. I, I, there's not much more, there's not much more you can say about it. As it turns out, it made no difference to the game anyway. Not that that would, you know, change that you should say it or not it's like just think before you say before you type something out on your twitter it's gonna be pointless. back of the nest sponsored by pitch sport fun time videos choose your match day squad post match ratings and much more available to download on the app store and google play pitch dmm.com ready to pop the question the jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I, I added a play on Twitter last night. I'm, I'm kind of disgraced to myself. Um, yeah. I, I, 
the I added a picture of the 2012 50 pence piece that explained the offside rule to Mishy Batshuayi. <laughs> I mean, oh dear. The thing is, I can't actually blame you for that. I really can't. Do you know, do you know what? I actually, I actually felt bad about it this morning, and I, and I tried to think, why is he offside a lot? And because he's one of those players that plays on the shoulder, we know that, like from his first spell with us as well. That's he's he's towing that line all the time, and I think the argument in favour of Batshuayi here is he's not getting game time. He's not building any sort of relationships with, with the players that are feeding him the ball. So the timing's just always off a bit because there's no there's no synergy between them yet. There's no understanding between them yet. So, you know, again, <clears throat> if he plays more game times and you'd expect uh, more minutes, you'd expect to see that come. And then, you know, those marginal offsides will actually turn to really good runs that spring the offside trap and he, he gets chances to score goals. But um you know, I don't think that's me clutching at straws. He's he scored enough goals at a high a high enough level to say that this is more likely to be a bit of a blip in his form than you know something fundamentally wrong with the way he plays football. But it does go back to that that question that we quite rightly ask of of squad management at times, doesn't it? Of players not getting any game time at all, not getting minutes, and you very rarely see these players who aren't playing pop up in under 23 games either to try and get match time. It's it's on the odd occasion or usually when they're coming back from injury. But the players who aren't who aren't injured don't get any match time at all. And, you know, we we, we joke about, you know, JP joining and not getting any match time. And, and it's only two games into it. But, you know, Roy doesn't really believe in any real form of rotation. You know, subs, if, if subs are made, it's very late on in a game because he seems reluctant to to risk what he's seeing out on the pitch even if what he's seeing out on the pitch is crap he still doesn't seem to want to risk changing the changing the setup too much so i think it i, I worry about that i think it's damaging and i think that has an impact mm. and there we go um let's not let's not no not too much after a win eh? <laughs> so let's talk about something positive that we haven't we haven't covered yet Esgef, it's it's over to you with the with the Cahill goal talk about his movement talk about the ball in a good set piece yeah, what a change it makes to have someone who can deliver that on a fairly consistent basis with Eze. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a great delivery. It was right where you want it to be. Uh, a good run from Cahill who lost his marker. I think Mishy sort of steps in front of his marker a little bit and there's some debate on Twitter whether he meant to do it or not. I'm not 100% sure he did because he was looking at the ball and he was sort of moving backwards, but Either way, a good run by Cahill and it just got a, you know, it was right, right in the spot that he wanted it to be. Uh, and he did, he did a, a celebration of hitting the corner flag off, which is, which is JP's signature move. And Terence keeps winding me up by saying that he's not, he's never going to do it in a palace shirt. So I'm going to have to make <laughs> do with Cahill doing it, I think. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, fair enough. But um, hey, don't don't share my um, inner WhatsApp group messages <laughs> with with people where where I may have sent the picture of the current Palace corner flag now and what it will look like at the end of the season as, as exactly the same picture. <laughs> um, oh. I, uh, I mean, I, you know, enough strikers are signed for us now and not score goals. That that's just my natural assumption. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you're being overly negative or unrealistic there at all. Um, but there we are. I don't know what that says about us. So look, for the second half wasn't the most exciting. I, you know, I think even Roy was was sort of fairly, you know, philosophical about the fact that we started badly, then played quite well, and then weren't great in the second half. We really did invite quite a lot of pressure. One superb save from Guaita with a with a really clever reaction to I think Fraser's shot, wasn't it? I don't say Fraser. I keep saying Fraser. It's Patrick's fault. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, and, and I thought I thought that was a pretty key moment. You know, you feared right at the end the the late Andy Carroll header, but that again that 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 didn't go in, and we're okay. But we've talked about the Townsend miss, and that's the only other major thing I wanted to pick it out. Other than Wilf's injury, talent Terence, he's he's got, you know, he's he's grabbed his hamstring quite early, and then he for some reason he he doesn't go down straight away carries on trying to run around the pitch and you just worry if he's not done more damage there. I couldn't quite... He was really angry and I sh- I assume it was the injury rather than the fact that he wasn't taken off earlier because, you know, he could have taken control there and kind of sat down a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, obviously really concerning times that, that Wilf's, Wilf's now injured. 
Yeah, I mean, the only thing we can hang on to here really is that his powers of recovery are incredible. Um, he's only ever really had one big layoff in his career, which I think we all agree with hindsight probably did him a favour because he bulked up quite a lot in that, in that time. He, he went off a skinny boy and come back a very big man. So, um, yeah, we we could just got to hope that he recovers from it quick. Maybe it's not as bad as we thought and we're just doing it as a precaution, getting him off the field. But he certainly looks very angry when he came off, which suggests that it probably is a little bit more sinister. But, I mean, yeah, we've got, We've got to have other players step up to the plate when Will's gone. Um, I feel like we're always going to be a way worse off team without him in it because he's one of the best players in the Premier League. So <laughs> we're obviously going to miss him. But, you know, we've we've got the likes of Eze now. We've got, um, obviously, superstar Jairo Riedewald in the middle of the park. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, just, we'll have to find ways to cope and probably won't, as, as <laughs> usually, is, usually is the case. Have you turned into me? <laughs> oh, I've channel, channeled my inner Heskiff, yeah. Well, we've got no Jeff at the moment to come in either. So, um, what I, what I, I laughed about this, but um, everyone was getting really excited when, when Wilf went off to a point. You know, obviously, everyone was gutted that Wilf went off, but on the watch along, everyone's like, oh, Roy just said JP, JP's coming on, JP's coming on. And, uh, and then Patrick went, it's going to be Andros. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, but you know, I dare say we'll talk about it in the uh, the Leeds preview. Who we think will we'll come in in the next game? If it's longer term than that, hopefully we get a few more bodies back, and Roy has the the chance to choose. Um, so let's let's end the kind of match review by just talking about the the general reaction on on, um, on social media because you know there was I, I hate I don't want to do the divisive thing of saying there's a Roy in and a Roy out camp, but there is. And, um, you know, people were looking quite rightly and saying it's great that we've, we've won two games back to that. But a lot of people kind of on the attack and saying, you know, this is this is proof that Roy's the man. Let's give him a new, let's give him another year. And Roy's obviously quoted as being quite, you know, it was probably his most revealing comments so far on whether he was uh, bothered about getting another deal. So if, if we start there, Heskiff, what do you make of, um, of Roy's comments, him, him basically saying that he's not bothered that either you know the club will come to him and say, Can you, "Do you want to do another year?" And if they don't, they don't, and, and so be it. Yeah, I mean, he he sort of changed tack, hasn't he? From I think before he just didn't really want to talk about it, or you know, as as a topic. Whereas, like you say, yesterday he 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 sort of answered it pretty directly. I mean, it, it wasn't him saying yes, no, whatever, but it was a pretty direct answer. Um, it, it'd be interesting what we do. I you know I think we certainly on, on, on our pods, a sort of of the opinion that the, the likelihood is he, he's going to be replaced in the summer. Obviously, there's no guarantee that that's going to happen. I think if, clearly, if we said, look, we want you for another year, he would take it. Absolutely. Um, I must admit, I'd worry for Patrick O'Connor's health if that happened. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's always interesting... Like I, I try to go on Twitter a little bit less after a game, win or loss, really, because it, it always seems to end up in like a bit of a bit of a bar fight between the Roy and the Roy out. Um, and and I think when we win, it's easier to say like actually that we do win these games under Roy. We do sort of do quite well against the teams in and around us. And then when we lose, it's it's more people saying like we should be doing better than this. I'm one of those people, to be fair. So it's tough, and I and I I don't want to go on Twitter after we've won and get on a bit of a downer because people are like digging each other out about whether he should stay or not. So I, I don't know whether he's going to stay. I still think that I still think that we should make a change in the summer, to be honest. And I know there's always that sort of Charlton, curvishly sort of angle where care for what you wish for. But at the same time, I sort of want to be entertained a bit more. And I think with the players we've got, and if we if we recruit well in the summer, then entertainment doesn't necessarily mean end up in League One like the like the Charlton lot down the road. Yeah, I'd, I'd, look, we've got an opportunity. I think next season with the rebuild we have to do that you know you, you can build you we've got some young players in that team where you can start to build a team around them if we keep hold of Wilf as well if you take um Riedewald, Eze and Zaha 
and then you've obviously got a good goalkeeper in Vicente Guaita as well. If you start building a team around that, you can that that's a, the sort of players where you can start to impose your style of play on teams. You know, once you know Eze just gets better with every game that he plays, as does Riedewald. We know what Zaha can do. If you start getting them fully confident, and you know the more Premier League experience in them, and you're building a team around them, you can really we can start to play a different style of football that will really you know. We were gone. Will be the counter-attacking days solely. You know, we're struggling to break teams down when they sit against us. So you, those are the sort of players that can open the team up. And it would be disappointing to see another season wasted away with those players under Roy, where it's just you know set up not to lose games and stay in the Premier League. And you've got to take that gamble sometimes. And we've talked about it many times maybe that he'll be once bitten twice shy because of the Frank de Boer scenario. But with the young players we've got and with the philosophy is to bring in more young players. We haven't seen Mateta yet, but you know, he he scores pretty much one in two in the Bundesliga, which is not it's not a farmers league, is it? So, you know, may, maybe he comes in and does well. So we've got an opportunity here to to kick on. And it seems like a natural stopping point with Roy to take him out and bring someone else in that is gonna look to play a different style of football. But um whether that ends up happening, we will have to wait and see. Yeah, it's a tough choice, and you know I got accused of thinking Roy's useless on uh, on Twitter, and I mean I, I you know I won't ever get into those kind of arguments. Certainly not when people are presenting an opinion that I don't hold to me and and saying you know you just think that it doesn't really seem like a worthwhile um, way to spend my time. But you know I, I have criticised Roy, and I and I do want him gone, and I I wanted him gone before the end of the season. I think winning two games on the bounce that, you know, that we, we needed to win in my view. Um, and, and, you know, we needed to win those because of poor results previously and poor form previously. So, but that does take that element of pressure off. You know, we're going to have to go some not to, not to pick up enough points to be relatively comfortably staying in the league from here. So that, that takes that little bit of pressure off of any kind of immediacy of dealing with the situation. But, you know, it, it still comes down to the point as a pragmatic manager, you know, working with a squad to get you enough points to stay in the league year on year. You know, Roy is an excellent manager for that. But is is Roy the manager that you want to put in charge of the job of rebuilding a squad at this point in his career um, and, and at this club, given given what we're seeing? I think there has been a gradual decline in how we've played. And I, and I think that really does need addressing. And as you say, Terence, it's the time to do that. Everything's kind of come together to do that. There are players in the squad who are, Whose contracts probably won't be renewed, um, and and give us the ch- the chance to bring younger, fresher, different players in that might suit a different system and a, and a different manager. Other than otherwise, you end up trying to make the change when you haven't got the flexibility to give that new manager what they want. It, it just it's all aligned for the for the perfect time to change, and it might not work, but it might not work anyway. If you don't doing nothing is is just as risky as doing something. Hmm. We shall see. I think I think the only overarching thing is with the current financial climate, the way it is with COVID and everything, it's it, is it worth taking the risk? You know, if you keep Roy for another season, you're guaranteed another Premier League um, mid-table finish, which will mean another 120 million in the coffers with us wanting to build a stadium. We've got a lot of big wages now coming off the wage bill before this season's over. We've, we've you know, Maya's, Maya's gone. Benteke will be signing a new contract, but massively reduced terms compared to what he's on now. Saka have gone. So we're opening up a lot of wage budget, which, you know, the aim will be to replace with younger younger players who won't be on as much wages as them. So they'd be doing everything they can to just make sure there's as much cash flow as possible into the club. And, you know, Roy, Roy you can do that with him. One-year contract's not going to be too expensive to keep him on and things like that. So... I don't know. I, there's, I wouldn't be surprised if we kept him, but as we've said, it seems like a natural point to part ways and look to the future. Indeed. Well, that is match review done. It's time for the preview, I guess, Terence. Yeah, I mean, we. I don't. I don't know how we're going to win. Um, Leeds, who have lost against, who, who have lost again tonight, I may add, without watching the game, undoubtedly the commentators were raving about the best coach in the world and um, how how Leeds. Well, you know they're going to win the, the European Cup next year, um, apparently. But no. So obviously we have a fantastic performance against Leeds last time around, and um, 
with the way we talk, we've been talking about Roy there, Hambo, the way Leeds play football, it's, they're kind of the perfect opponent for Roy's style of football, aren't they? Yeah, they are. That really came across last time we played, didn't it? You know, you could almost, I think even Roy almost had glee in his voice in the pre-match uh, um, <laughs> press conferences because he was just kind of saying, yeah, well, you know, they're an open side. They play attractive football all the while smiling, thinking this is this is exactly what we want. They're going to leave all sorts of space. They're not going to double or triple Marqueze or Wilf. Happy days, you know? And, um, you know, will that will he, they? Have- he, he must have looked at that. He like looks at the, uh, the Leeds lineup, and he's like, "Does that say three 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 one?" Because they're playing. <laughs> Roy's just like, "Thank you very much. I will deal with that very easily. Thank you." <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, it, Leeds are hit and miss. You don't know what you're going to get with them, right? They've, and you only have to look at their goals for and goals against, and how those goals have been spread across games is absolutely insane, really. And um, you know, fair, fair fair play to that manager he's he's come and he's unforgivingly played his style of football he, he's not tried to change it uh, through fear of what teams can do to him he's you know living and dying by his um his philosophy and it has been entertaining at times but it's also been incredibly naive at at times um I mean, Heskiff, we approached the game probably in the same way we did last time, which was a 4-4-2, which in, um, I will point out, a read of our did start in that game as well. King Gyro. This is just a Gyro appreciation podcast at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think we'll, we probably will, we'll probably will line up the same as we did formation-wise at home. I suppose the, the, the only thing you take into account with Leeds is you just hope that they don't score loads. Obviously, you think that every game, but you know, in the game when we beat them at Selhurst, they had a goal disallowed, didn't they? Which was which was quite tough. And yeah, I mean that, that that that's what the most ridiculous VAR decision I think, along with the Southampton one last night. But and you, know, you just, just sort of think like if that doesn't get disallowed, it's a very different game. Because I think that I think they are a team where obviously they just keep attacking, don't they? And and the more their confidence is up, the, the more likely it is they're going to score three or four. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 a shame that we're not going to have Wilf. I think Wilf would be really good in in a game like that. But as you say, now we've got Eze, who's uh, you know a, a, another similar player. He can make something out of nothing. And if you if he finds space, and certainly if you if you give him space to work in, he can do some real real damage. So we have to. I think it's set up for Eze to really take take the ball and and, and run with it on Monday. Okay, so Hambo, is it? With Zaha missing, will it will it be time? Will Will Mateta finally see some <laughs> see some minutes? No, <laughs> no, of course not. I really, I really hope I'm wrong. I really do because if you think about it, it, it feels like the right call, doesn't it? You know, uh, give them something to think about. They, they're going to be, you know, if, if they're doing their job, which which you assume they will as as a, as a team, they'll be thinking, right, no Zaha, so we don't have that focus, right? We we you know we can kind of play our normal game. We don't need to worry about how we got ripped apart last time. Let's focus on Eze. And if they take Eze out of the out of the you know the, the equation for us by double marking, staying tight in him the whole game, you look across the rest of the team, the fact that we've we've got injuries all over and that and we might struggle. We might struggle to create the same kind of opportunities we did last time out. So throwing in the, throwing in that bit of a wild card, you know, he's he's a big unit, he's got a bit of pace about him, a bit of trickery just seems like the way to go and but but it's not the safe option it's a gamble and that's why I don't think we'll see it well I think that looking at the lineup that played in the game where we beat them 4-1 it was it, it could be the lineup that ends up playing tomorrow Sanzaha so you've got Guaiter in goal Klein Van Arnholt Dan and Kiate Eze MacArthur Riedeval Townsend Zaha Ayu so it's not going to be overly too different from that so it, I'm not. I'm not too worried about the injuries that we have in terms of still being able to carve open leads, but with all the spaces that they leave, because that's what our game is set up to do. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. I, I mean, in an ideal world, I, I think he puts Batshuayi alongside Mateta and then gives Batshuayi a little bit more of a free role to roam around a bit because he does like to do that. He likes to link play with nice little flicks in and around the sort of centre circle and stuff like that. So if you allow Batshuayi to carry on. With that sort of style, and then you know, have Mateta as more of a, fo- a focal point next to him, then 
who knows it, 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 it again you know you've got the unknown quantity there for Leeds as well and it really could um it could lead to good things but Heskiff is is it's going to be Ayu and Benteke up front isn't it <laughs> yeah I was like, that, that's a lovely little fantasy you just uh, told us about there uh <laughs> yeah I think it I think it probably will be Ayu and, and Benteke um Bats looked a bit pissed off when he got subbed uh yesterday but I don't really think he had much of a much of a argument about why he, he shouldn't be taken off. Um, so yeah, I think I think Ayu, Ayu and Benteke is probably the way it's going to go. Yeah. Um, I've, do do you feel Hambo with light of what we talk about Batshuayi? It might be one game too early to drop him. You've got you know he did pick up a goal against West Ham. He's given Benteke a few cracks at the whip when um it's not been going overly too well for him. Um so do you think he'll get one he'll get one more try or do you can you see Benteke or or Mateta maybe coming back in for him? I think it's a really hard one to call because I I would I would like him to get more game time in, in some ways, but he was so shit against Newcastle <laughs> that that I'm struggling to I'm struggling to, to to find any real justification other other than the let's let's give him another game another ninety minutes and hope it all clicks for him. Yeah, he did get the goal the other day and he was clearly delighted with it. But you know he spent a large proportion of the game against Newcastle offside and we we kind of joke about it, but it but it isn't a joke really. It's um you know to be standing on in off in an offside position for the majority of the game, let alone being caught offside when you're making a run. It just you know, something, something's not quite right there. You know, I'll, yeah. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm expecting if Benteke plays, um, then great. But I was, I was actually expecting uh, it would be Townsend would come in on the right hand side. Jordan Ayew goes up top, and we might see Batshuayi again. But having listened to you guys talk, I, yeah, I think probably Benteke in for Batshuayi as well. So, yeah. Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I worry uh, the thing when Batshuayi's on the field and Benteke's not, or uh, obviously. I'm speculating about how good Mateta is at defending corners, but um, when Batshuayi is on the field, we we lose something in our own area from from set pieces and defending. But Benteke has certainly become a good defender at the near post from set pieces. He never used to be that way, Heskiff. If you remember the five four at Swansea, <laughs> certainly um, it's something he's learned over his time under various, you know. Premier League, good old English Premier League managers that have taught him the ways of defending, but um, Leeds aren't a set piece threat in that sense where they've they've only scored from four this season, which is actually one one less than or one fewer than we've managed to score from. So um, not, not too much of a worry there. But I I just I don't know. I, I hope he gets another shot. I, I've I think everyone wants Batshuayi to be a success and it, it to work out, but. Um, so just for that point, I'd like to see him get one more game and try and, you know, in a game where he should, because of the way Leeds play, should get a, get a few chances to put some goals away and hopefully that will breed some confidence. But alas, we will have to wait and see. Um, Hambo, in terms of... <laughs> Jaya Riedewald is obviously... You know, Luke, Luke is going to be the first name on the team sheet in the middle. Will he play if anyone else is fit after that performance against Newcastle is it's going to be far less easy for Roy to just drop him and not face some sort of backlash from not just from fans on social media because I'm sure he doesn't really or care about that but within the squad itself as well to, to, to he has a lot of he seems to have a lot of respect within the squad demand a lot of respect play players seem to rate him and then to have a performance like that and then get left out would would surely start to get some rumbling going on within the squad yeah, it sends a terrible, terrible message, doesn't it, to, to everybody? Really, that you know, really, it doesn't matter how you play. I'm going to pick my my, my favourites every single time, anyway. Um, and we, look, we we get that feeling a lot, you know, th- throughout the course of of the season, anyway. But you've got to reward Gyro for what for what he did in that game. You've got he's got to keep his place, and and it's really important that we we have somebody with that energy, you know, and Macarthur. You know, if he's playing one game a week, he can do that. And he, he does give you that sort of box-to-box element at times. But not just that. The number of tackles that he puts in, it's so, so important. He breaks up so much play. Um, but without... without So I think, you know, without McCarthy, it puts the onus on, on Luca to do that. And, and at times, he has struggled this season on that. So, But how can you possibly drop, drop Gyro 
for after that performance. It was it was everything we needed from a central midfielder. So I, I don't think we'll see it because it's so nonsensical to think it'll happen. <laughs> okay, good. Um, the last one we'll touch on is uh, Patrick Van Arnold's obviously got back-to-back games here. Um, Heskiff, kind of a mixed bag of a performance against Newcastle. Um, enough to keep his play talking. You see Mitchell perhaps coming back into this one. Oh, he's third. He's got the hat trick. He's on. The, he's got the mute hat trick. Oh. <laughs> um, I should have muted when I said "fuck." Sorry. <laughs> um, it's. I'll, I'll say. I was thinking about this because, on the one hand, against a team like Leeds, you you would say, "Well, we'd want a more defensive, solidly defensive player," which is which is Mitchell. But then at the same time, you think, "Well, they, if they are going to leave a lot of space, then you can see PVA bombing bombing down the wing and and getting the crosses in." like he did in the build-up to, to Gyro's goal. So I really don't know where he's going to go with with the left-back. Um, my preference would always be Mitchell because I actually think his him getting forward is better than PVA's defending. Although PVA's been all right the last two games. I don't, I don't think he's been particularly bad. Um, so trying to get inside Roy's head for that is is beyond me at this point, I'm afraid. Yeah, I think his defending last night was pretty decent. So I have a few clearances, most interceptions of any Palace player. So um, yeah, it was certainly his defensive side was a lot better last night. It were, um, I still just think, I actually thought he had a decent game against Wolves as well, but my mind just constantly goes back to Adama Traore nutmegging him so <laughs> disgustingly. <Yep. laughs> I felt so bad for him because he, he even turned around just like, what am I supposed to, what am I supposed to do against that? Like you see, you, we've seen Zaha down the years do it to so many great, great fullbacks, you know. So, um, yeah, you've got, you got a feel for him. Can I just ask you on, on PVA? Because you mentioned he's had, he's had two decent games. Do you think, with him, with him being out of the side and it being pretty clear that there's a massive difference between how he's positioning himself at left-back since he came back in than, than, we, than he was previously, do you think that that's been made abundantly clear to him that he has to actually play left-back? Yeah, um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised because we've talked about already. We were joking about taking Riedervold off for coming out of his um, <laughs> his angles on the pitch. You know, his zones. You should just be staying within your zones. And um, I th- I think there's a, been a lot. You can hear it with players on the field now that they you can hear what they're saying to each other. And too often in games, particularly from James McCarthy, you can hear him, um, or James McCarthy, sorry, screaming at Pat Van Arnold to get back. And it's his laziness of getting back that's a problem. And he he wants to be the modern day wing back, full back type person, but he just doesn't have the engine to do it. So he's quite happy to get forward, but then he won't bust a nut getting backwards. So I think it's probably more of a, he's been asked to pick and choose his times to go forward as opposed to actually just constantly trying to get that overlap, which, you know, leads to him struggling later in games and getting caught out of position a lot more because we were conceding a lot of goals late in games. And um, it was, a, there was gaping holes in the left back position when, when that was occurring. So I think it's more probably been told to conserve your energy a bit and um, yeah, pick, pick, pick and choose your moments. Um and which, if that leaves him, you know, sacrificing a little bit going forward, but in return for a little bit more defensive solidity, I don't, I don't think Palace fans are ever really going to moan about that. We, we understand that we, we under Royal, we work off a solid base, and um, the problems for Royal come when his solid base is no longer solid, as it's been this season on so many occasions. And clean sheets go by the wayside, and it, it looks bad when that's the whole game plan that you have is to keep it tight. And Nick games by one goal, which we did so successfully last season many times before the lockdown. And perhaps we're getting into that sort of Roy Hodgson, you know, three to six game sort of run where, you know, we we stack on the points that ultimately keep us safe for the season. Um, I think that's enough. Uh, best gift prediction. What are you going for? 2-0 uh, no leads. <laughs> and, and, and Hambo. He's genuinely nicked my prediction. <laughs> mm. uh, I'll have to go two two one leads. Oh um, wow! I'll, I'm I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go three one Palace. I just I, just, I, I think I think we're tailor made to just beat them. Really, um, I, I don't. I, I, 
will that manager learn? I don't. I don't think he. I don't think he's a manager to change tactically the way he's going to play. He's going to play his his style, and that's it. So we'll see. I could be wrong. That's. I mean, that is bold without Zaha. I think thinking about it, that's very bold without Zaha. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I've, I've said it now. It's out there in the ether. So we'll 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 have to see what happens. Right. Um, that's yeah. That's that's a lot for this week. So, what's the, what's the plan for the match report on the weekend, Hambo? Well, I think we'll uh, be having to do it on the uh, the Tuesday the Tuesday night. I think. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So we're back again. Yeah, <laughs> It'll be three weeks running. It will. Amazing. Uh, well, it's, it's it's better like this, isn't it? We're we're the best ones. So. So long as yeah. some of us remember to take ourselves off mute. <laughs> yeah. yeah right yeah so it, so it looks like it'll be the same setup again then maybe with Albert who knows um, but it's Crystal Palace against Burnley at Sellers will be the next preview and we'll obviously be doing the match report against Leeds involved in that one due to the Monday night kickoff so yeah look forward to that uh, Hambo thanks for joining in again no problem loved every second of it <laughs> and Heskiff thank you so much Mr Mute just kidding (laughs) right yeah so anyway until next week everyone up the palace back of the nest review show sponsored by pitchdmm.com it's the 90th minute all your mates around you've got your mcnugget share boxes ready to go your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points perfect order mcdelivery now on the mcdonald's app you in at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.